0: Welcome to Ludus Capital's podcast, Frontier X. Every week, we will dive deep with current and former professional athletes and hear the stories of how they transitioned from the field, the court, the ice, the arena, the ballpark, to where they are now. We will hear the stories of how they ignited their non-sports passions, how they cut through the business complexities of their athletic careers, and how they found new unicorns in both their lives and portfolios. I'm your host, Matilda Sung, general partner at Ludus Capital. I will often be joined by my co GP, Sam Lee, or any of our venture partners, including Chris Miner and Amith Botajou. Without further ado, now let's get on to the show.
1: Hi, I'm Sam Lee, a general partner with Ludus Capital. Today on the podcast, we have Amobi Okugo, who is a former soccer player with MLS, and a Forbes 30 under 30 for achievement on and off the field. Since his retirement, he has focused his time on creating a frugal athlete, a platform to help athletes and ex-athletes with financial literacy.
0: Welcome, Amobi. It is so great to see you again. Nice to have you here today.
2: Uh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to get reconnected. To
0: Awesome. So we're super excited to learn more about your journey as much of our audience who's listening in right now. We are just so keen to learn how you went from being a professional athlete with the MLS to becoming a disruptive figure in terms of how you build up financial literacy knowledge for not just athletes, but all types of folks who are looking to gain their footing and how they position themselves, how they brand themselves and how they think about their futures. Can you just walk us through that journey from A to B and pretty much everything in between as well?
2: Yeah, most definitely. So first generation Nigerian American, born and raised in California, growing up. My parents being immigrants from Nigeria, education was very big, but also sports. So for me, it was always trying to use sports as a vehicle to further my career or my personal development. But fortunately, sports took over at a young age and allowed me to do a lot of things that wouldn't have been able to do if I didn't get to that level. Yeah, quickly rose up the ranks and went to UCLA, ended up going pro after my freshman year. And it wasn't until like, my fourth, fifth year in the league, the broke 30 for 30 documentary came out. And that's when I kind of, I don't want to say flip the switch, but it was more of a motivation to find athletes that were role models instead of the model that they showed in the broke documentary that I could use for my own career. And that's kind of how I started being almost like a disruptor in the space. So I started a frugal athlete, which is an online financial media platform to help promote prudent financial practices and smarter decisions amongst professional athletes and student athletes. And that's kind of how it all went about. But I've always grown up strong support system. My parents always emphasized education and using sports as a vehicle instead of letting sports control you. But it wasn't until that broke 30 for 30 documentary where I was like, all right, I kind of want to do something about it. I want to expand on my curiosities and find athletes that are doing it the right way that I could use as role models.
0: That's impressive. That's impressive. So, you would attribute sort of the turning point in your life journey to ESPN's 30 and 30, broke 30 30, right?
2: Yeah, most definitely. I mean, before that, you see obviously the LeBron James, the Kevin Durant, the Tom Brady, Serena Williams of the world. And those are athletes, but those are anomalies, the 1% of the 1%. Granted, I made it to the professional level, but being honest, I was going to have to work after my career is over. You know, playing soccer in the States, we're not at the level of the top four leagues, but we do have a unique position in terms of the capital that we make and the ecosystem that we're a part of to leverage that. When I saw the 30 for 30 broke documentary, it was like, all right, you see the athletes, you use the scare tactics where, all right, you don't want to follow their footsteps. And then the athletes that they showcase on the like one offs, those are anomalies. So, who are the athletes that I could kind of see? that I can grasp or are tangible to my situation that are doing it the right way. And that's kind of how it all came about.
0: I think that's great. I think we often talk about this, Sam and I, about just how important the the role that athletes can play beyond just being a role model in the sport that they operate in. There is actually an opportunity for you to have airtime with folks who look up to you, kids who look up to you, and you could really be a mouthpiece and be affecting a lot of change. Tell me about financial literacy. Like what does that mean for you?
2: No, that's a great question. I say I think for me, it's all about leverage. You know, when you have clarity and leverage over your finances, you make better decisions. And I think a lot of times, specifically as athletes, we don't have the right information or we feel hamstrung by different things, whether it's the natural greed or emotional blackmail or different things that are out of our control on a personal level. But if you have full clarity of the decisions you're making and you're asking the right questions, but also the leverage to negotiate better or to see the whole playing field, you make better decisions. And that's the same as it goes into sports, but it can be also applied to your your personal finances as well.
0: Absolutely, I completely agree in terms of getting that leverage. Would you say that during the journey of an athlete's career from when they are youth to when they are getting scouted to when they enter the pros to when they go through the journey from being a rookie to looking out into perhaps their retirement years, the concept of financial literacy is a little different at each of these stages? I don't know if you can talk a little bit about that, because when you're at the peak of your career, we're just starting the types of financial questions that come to you are a little bit different than when you're sort of cresting or when you're leaving.
2: No, most definitely. That's a great point that you brought up. And it's crazy too, because for a lot of athletes, their first job is professional sports. You put your all into it in your youth career from the time you're five to 18 or 22, whenever you go pro. And that's like your first real job, your W-2. So the jump from adolescent to pro is such a vast jump you have to make adult decisions in the blink of an eye. So that alone, it makes it difficult for a lot of athletes in terms of understanding their complete financial portfolio or complete financial picture. And then depending on the different scales that you're in, you know, you hear a lot of the stats, your career can last anywhere from three to four years. So you like, all right, i got to make it to my second contract. i got to make it to my second contract. And then once you make it to your second contract, if you're lucky, specifically in like the bigger sports, NFL, NBA, MLB, then it's a whole nother ball game of wealth that you're talking about. And a lot of times people don't even make it to that level. So understanding where you're at specific to your situation can play a, a huge role in how you allocate your finances. And like you said, depending on where you're at as a rookie to the prime of your career, to the end or how you allocating and putting money in different pockets or how are you aggressively investing or looking at alternative investments or building your budget and allocating. There's so many different factors that come into play that it may seem easy from the outside looking in like, oh, how did this player go broke after making this big contract? But you don't see all the steps in place, not only while they're playing, but before then that laid the groundwork. So fortunately, some of the decisions that they make when they have money.
0: Totally. There's like some crazy stats, right? I don't know if it came out of that documentary, but I think NFL athletes that retire, I think, I don't know if it's like over 50% of them within five years have like lost the bulk of their wealth. It's some ridiculous measure that really makes you go, whoa, okay, something has gone awry in the years, like you were saying, and their prime time leading to when they exit it. And so I think a lot of what you mentioned just now was really just getting that perspective. So you can make the right decisions at the right time. And so we have listeners who are and folks on our network that are specifically in this space, right? They may not necessarily retire. They're still there. How would you recommend folks surround themselves with the right people, the right resources, and just the right ethos to start thinking about this? Like, how did you do it? Who were some of the critical figures, if any, or resources that you turned to as you got educated in the space?
2: No, most definitely. You know, I call it to people like you when it comes to specifically alternative investments. You have to have the right team. And I think the great thing about sports is that you can apply it to business life. So coming into a draft, you have college scouts that scour the earth for top talent. And not only do they scour the earth for top talent, they do background checks. And not only do they do background checks, they do interviews. And not only do they do interviews, they do all this due diligence when it comes to scouting a player and drafting a player. But when it comes to athletes and doing the same when it comes to whether it's hiring the right financial advisor or investing in the right deal as an angel or and the syndicate or fund, they just like, oh, it sounds good. Or they did this, they did that. But they don't do the same amount of due diligence that was done on them when they got drafted. So applying those principles, I think would really work in our favor. A general manager on the sports team, they're not just going to get a bunch of veterans. You know, you're going to get some high potential talents, some draft picks, you're going to get some people in their prime, you're going to get some veterans, just like that's how you should look at an investment portfolio. Obviously, we're not going to give specific investment advice, but trying to treat your investment portfolio like a general manager would. Different things like having a kitchen cabinet. So for me, early on, I really took the advice of mentors and having them on my team, because they've seen a roadmap that I'm on. So I Obviously, at the end of the day, it's my decision. But if I could take solace in the fact that they've been there, done that, I think it's really important. Another thing is audit your team. Just like if you're on the field and you're not performing, you have an end of the year meeting to see where you need to improve on. If you're not improving, they got to find someone else. If you have a tax accountant that's not doing well, or you get a slap on the wrist because you didn't allocate things in the right way, you might have to look to a different tax accountant. So I think using the sports terminology, and I try to emphasize sports terminologies because it's the best way to get across to athletes that we talk to, is really important as it pertains to an athlete in their financial portfolio.
0: I love how you talk about making sure you do the right diligence to get the right team surrounding you as it relates to your finances, much like you would with your health, your fitness, how you play the game, how you're on the field, right? We find sometimes athletes, it's a tough line between friends and someone who's working for you. And I don't know if you have any advice to give. I know this, we're going a little bit off here, but I think our listeners would find value in getting some advice. When you become big, you're going to have a lot of your buddies come up from anywhere. And they're going to want to offer you all this help and everything. And how do you give advice to athletes or try to draw the line and really do that diligence that you suggested, right? Really find the best folks who are in the best place to manage your alternative asset portfolio. It's not just somebody you went to high school with and hung out with and you trust. Trust is important, but how do you distinguish that and really make the right decision there?
2: No, that's a great point. And I think it it comes down to a few things, but at the end of the day, when it comes to working with family, friends, obviously, people that have like an emotional pull to you. I'll start with three things, you know, invest instead of gift. So if there's ways you can invest in their learning, they may come to you with an idea. But you know, what work did they do to put in the effort to present that idea? Have they gone? Not saying everyone needs like, to go and get an MBA, but have they put in the work to qualify themselves? And if not, Maybe they work with somebody that you're currently working with so that they can learn the ropes. You know, someone that's done it great is obviously LeBron James, Maverick Carter, he interned at Nike, you know, learned the ropes from the top executives a couple years once he felt established, then he went on and they did their own thing. Same with Rich Paul, interned or worked under CAA, learned enough. Started his own things where a lot of times athletes that we both know, it's like, oh, yeah, you got drafted. I'm coming in right away. And no, there has to be a level of hours put in because you have to see the work done. You have to do the repetition. Another thing is Brandon Marshall said it best is use me, don't use me. So use me as a resource to get in the doors so that you can come back and help instead of just using me to deepen your pockets, whatever that looks like. And I think another thing is like, yeah, like you said, that trust factor, but also the results. At the end of the day, it's it's a results business. So if you can't get results as unfortunate as it is, it's really tough to continue to move forward no matter who it is. And then I think the last thing is just communication, making sure the OKRs are established, but the communication, the dialogue to understand that, you know, if we get into business together as a friend, this is strictly business outside of these hours, we're strictly friends for now, or we're shifting our relationship from friends to strictly business, you know, just trying to figure out that, that dynamic. Because a lot of times things get misconstrued. Friends think they get like a couple passes because they have a level of relationship that others don't have. But when it comes to business, and as an athlete, you have to treat yourself as a fortune 500 company, and you can't afford those mistakes.
0: I love it. Treat yourself like a fortune 500 company. Totally.
1: I love that longer term, you know, expectations, right? I think that's great that, you know, you're investing into people around you, and they in turn are investing back to you. We talked about pro athletes, I want to jump real quick into sort of the new generation of athletes who are now, when they're in college, they're dealing with NIL, and all that that comes with. So there's certainly the revenue are coming earlier than ever. So and I know a movie you've talked a lot of colleges and organizations with their group of athletes. So wanted to hear your advice to this new generation in terms of what they can do, because certainly is a little bit different than versus the pro world.
2: Yeah, it's changed the landscape, really. And NIL is, is both a blessing and a curse, depending on how proactive you are as an athlete. And obviously, everyone's saying, Brand deals, brand deals, brand deals. But with NIL, you have the opportunity to do so much more than just brand deals. So I think the initial step is laying the groundwork, you know, getting your affairs in order. You can ruin your career before you start it if you don't have the groundwork and the framework established. So I think for any student athlete, making sure your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted is really important. But most importantly, there's understanding the two things that you can do. You can either protect your brand or you can project your brand and not only for brand deals, but opportunities. If you want to start your own business or want to expand your network or want to figure out different ways to establish uh, relationships, protect ownership of your domain, you know, making sure your social media are clean, just different things and understanding your alumni database or uh project, you know, how you present it socially, you know, understanding Like your sponsorships between your colleges, and if you have brand deals, what's being navigated, understanding your pillars, like what points in your mission and values you want to get across to people. So, those are the two things that you can do. And if you do those things well, the rest will be able to be set up tremendously.
1: So, it it almost sounds like you have to be financially mature much earlier than you would otherwise, right? Because a lot of the other things we're dealing with are, you know, like you mentioned, the second contract in your pearl career, but now you're dealing that as a freshman in college. So certainly there's a different dynamic to that where you're not able to have as much experience or as much experience around you to help you navigate that.
2: Exactly. Just understanding different things. We've already seen, unfortunately, you know, young kids get exploited because they don't understand contract stipulations that they're signing. So whether it's like understanding the scope of work or, you know, exclusivity rights, Different things like that, where it's like you gotta protect your brand, you gotta protect your NIL. And if you're just signing for a quick check and not understanding the long-term implications of it, like you stated, make it can hurt you in the long run.
0: Going back to Amobi, your platform frugal athlete. Do you have any offerings right now that cater to sort of this new age of monetization that young athletes are are needing to learn more about?
2: Yeah, so specifically with the frugal athlete we do a lot of financial coaching just helping athletes young athletes student athletes understand you know the basic principles as it pertains to your finances you know we're not going to help you in terms of financial investments we are not able to and we do not want to get sued but when it comes to budgeting you know savings goals emergency funds different strategies in terms of how to invest like the different avenues that you can take how to audit your financial advisor what to look for in a financial advisor. Basically, we follow our PENDOS model. We came up with the PENDOS model, similar to like the order of operations in school.
0: Like a progress model, right? That yeah, work exactly. Through. Yeah, yeah.
2: So we have our own PENDOS model that we have that we go through with athletes. That essentially helps them. So hopefully by the time they're done with us, they feel confident to go on to a wealth manager or financial advisor or accountant and build their whole financial portfolio with them. We're part of the initial stages. Outside of that, we do have content and courses and we do workshops and speaking engagements, but specific to like taking an athlete and turning them from athlete to athlete CEO. We do do that, but it's separate to a football athlete just to avoid conflict of interest.
0: Got it. Got it. That's great. This is actually a great segue. So they can come to you at Frugal Athlete and build a base for financial literacy. I actually want to start talking about the future and the horizon. And as you know, With Ludus Capital, we work with athletes and technologists and executives, and we co-invest in a number of early stage companies in what we call the sports tech space. And so we've invested across the board in media assets, fan engagement play, sports betting, gaming, you name it. So we're very excited about this space. And... We think, you know, once folks have achieved that base level of financial literacy, there's a lot of really exciting opportunities out there. And I know you've also dabbled in something. So I'm just curious to hear what are you excited about in the world of, I guess, investable assets?
2: Yeah, for me personally, this creator economy. So, like, because especially with NIL athletes, they are already ahead of the game as it pertains to understanding content, understanding trends, understanding how to leverage their influence for content or tools or assets to enhance that. I feel like student athletes and athletes can be at the forefront of that specific space. So I'm excited about that. Definitely excited about sports tech in general as a whole, from a VR space to from a health and wellness space, everything that's enhancing performance, I'm excited about. Outside of like specific to sports and athletes, the CPG space, like the creator led brands, I think that's amazing. Like you've seen what Logan Paul and KSI have done with Prime Drink. Oh, wow. Look at that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've got young kids in sports.
2: It's unbelievable. So if an athlete is able to create a large enough brand, there's so many endless possibilities, you know, partnering with service provider or a merch provider, apparel provider, someone that really understands that CPG space. There's a lot of, a lot of opportunity.
0: Yeah, you're actually hitting the nail on the head in terms of sort of part of our thesis is really making some strong observations around this younger generation. I think Sam and I are probably aged out here, but (laughs) but for the Gen Zs in terms of how they think about what influences their daily way of thinking and doing and purchasing and spending their free time and whatnot. And a lot of it's based on these influencers that you just mentioned, right? So there's a lot of power to be had with not just athletes, but with the younger demographic in terms of their different ways of producing content. And we see in the NIL space where you may not even need to be the top athlete at your sport and at your school, but if you have a very powerful following, you have a platform right there to make a difference as well. That's a new space that we're seeing being carved out right now. and We're pretty excited about that area.
1: Well, you're not aged out, Matilda, because you just showed the uh, prime bottle to a movie, and that's what (laughs) we were laughing at, so I just wanted to... We did not
2: plan that at all.
0: We did not. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Have you drank it? It's,
2: it's, it's pretty good. good. I, I've only had a sample. I've, I've never, if Prime listens to this and they want to.
0: Product placement. We invest in tech, but we'll do product placement as well.
1: <laughs> the total. Should we move on to the fire rounds? That's yeah. Fun yeah.
0: This is our, sort of our favorite part. So, what I'm going to do is, I am either going to ask a question or say a statement. Please come back with sort of the first thing that comes to your mind and a few sentences around that. Okay. Sounds good. Best piece of advice someone gave you during your transition?
2: Oh, uh, fail forward. Mm, I like, I like, I like.
0: You're from the Bay Area. This is very almost techish of you. <laughs>
2: yeah, fail forward. You know? fail, fast, like... fail forward. Yes.
0: <laughs> Who are your top two mentors?
2: That's a great question. John Harris. He's been helping me since my rookie year. CEO of it's this career transition platform. And then number two, oh, this is too good. I would say Andrew Hawkins, founder, co-founder of Status Pro. And I do some work with them. And he's like an athlete, entrepreneur, model roadmap. When I initially started a flu athlete, he came top of mind. And to be now working with him in a capacity, this is really special.
0: Beautiful. And where do you go to find inspiration?
2: Everywhere. You know, LinkedIn, social media. Audible, yeah, outside, everywhere. I find inspiration everywhere. If I don't have like a notebook on me, my notes app is open and I'm always, you know, I have like million dollar ideas in my phone. It's now, it's all about connecting with like a partner like Ludus and bringing them to life.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Keep them coming. I love it. All right. What are the top three things a young athlete should do today in order to build their financial literacy?
2: Definitely establish their budget for sure. Understand what's coming in, what's coming out. If you don't have anything coming in, then just understand, you know, the expenses that you have on a day-to-day. That's for sure, number one. Number two, understanding the team that you need to help build your financial portfolio. A lot of times people skip steps. So first and foremost, an accountant maybe a lawyer to help you with legal issues, looking over contracts, financial advisor, a wealth manager, a venture capital advisor, or deal flow manager. So obviously you don't have to have all of them at once, but understanding the team that you need to really build the portfolio that you can possibly have, not only while you're in college, but long after whether you go pro or not. And then number three is building a emergency fund. I think that's really important, whether you transition, you need that buffer to give you some runway to find your next thing.
0: Such wise words. Thank you. My goodness. Amobi, if folks and listeners want to get to know you or your services and your platform better, how can they get in touch and get in contact?
2: Oh, yeah, always available. So www.amobiokugo.com or www.afugoathlete.com at Amobi Says on all social platforms, Amobi Okugo on LinkedIn, not hard to find and I always try to get back to people. So it's all about collaborating and, you know, I'd love to figure out ways to work together.
1: Awesome. I love your LinkedIn post, always uh, words of wisdom on there. Oh, Thanks,
0: Uh, man. Trying to grow it. (laughs) Spoken like a true brand expert. Well, Amobi, it's been a pleasure to have you on today and we're looking forward to seeing what collaborations we could have with you going forward.
2: No, most definitely. Thank you so much for the giving me space and time to share. And uh, I know we'll connect soon.
0: Awesome. See you soon. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Ludus Capital's Frontier X podcast. For more information on the episode, the podcast, or Ludus Capital, please visit us on our website at www.ludus.capital. Be sure to subscribe to our show and follow us on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Insta to stay up to date on all things sports tech and venture capital related. And as always, thank you for tuning in.